avoid a shipwreck. And maybe at some point in your life, you have dreamed of what you would do if you were on a desert island shipwrecked, right? How many of y'all have before dreamed of that moment? You're like, man, I know what I would do. I would sit back and I'd read a book or whatever it might be. Well, well, the reality is, of course, that being shipwrecked would not be a whole lot of fun, right? That's pretty, pretty clear. And so we're talking about that this morning. We are in week two of our series on James. So if you would this morning, open your Bibles to James chapter 1. And today, our, our, our text this morning is from James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And so, as you turn there today, little little background, if you are with us last week or not last week, we, we talked about and kind of laid down the foundation for what James does and what James is. Because James puts, puts action to our faith, right? The people oftentimes say, well, if you have faith then things will work out, right? That's what people think sometimes about, about faith. But what James does is James helps us to understand that if you have faith, it's going to look like something. And more specifically, you're, it's going to look like something in that you will work in and through and on it. And we talked again about that last week. So if you missed it, listen to the podcast. But just a little bit about that. You'll work in. You're, you're in it all the way. You're going you're gonna to finish. You're going to finish well. You're, you'll work in it. You'll work through it. Meaning that you'll work through the trials because trials produce perseverance. And perseverance is, is an amazing, beautiful thing. And you'll work on. This life is a journey. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a one-time thing. It's, you'll work in, through it, and on. And that brings us today to James chapter 5. And, and these are some pretty incredible words that James chapter 5 gives us. And, and really, in the words of, uh, of the great theologian Joe Dirt, you got to keep on keeping on sometimes, right? And some of you guys know I'm talking about this, this morning. But, but that's what this is kind of referring to and walking through this morning. Listen to James chapter, five, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom... Now, how many of y'all can say, I've at some point in my life, I have lacked wisdom? Anyone can be with me on that. The rest of you are lying or you're really smart. And I want to talk to you because you are awesome. And so if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him. Pretty simple, right? That's all you got to do. If you lack wisdom, just ask God. He gives it. That's it. Let's go home. We're good. No, that's, that's, that's sometimes, that is how it is. It really is that simple But we know in life that it doesn't oftentimes play out to be that simple, is it? We make things complicated sometimes, don't we? Because life is complicated. And so he continues here because I think he knows this as as well. He says, but let him ask in faith. Everyone say, in faith. faith. Let him ask in faith. That's right. Let him ask in faith. You see, this is where this passage and this concept starts to get a little less clear. Because God has given us a very clear word, a very clear promise, a very clear thing that we are supposed to do. But when it continues and starts to walk through this, let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is being driven and tossed by the winds. For that person, there's a promise here, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man who is unstable in all of his ways. This passage here begins to walk through this concept and this idea about being unstable, about being double-minded, doesn't it? God's command, God's clear word to us, God's clear challenge to us is quite simple. 
If you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without approach, and it will be given to him. But what so oftentimes happens in our lives is we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, and that seems to come to muddy things sometimes, doesn't it? It makes us a little unstable. As this passage here begins to walk us through, and it kind of paints the picture here of waves being tossed about, being tossed around, and being unstable. That's, that is the recipe for a shipwreck, isn't it? This boat right here is, means something to me if I can stand and not fall. This boat was my grandpa's boat. Uh, my great my grandpa who uh, lived in Michigan, and this was his boat. And frankly, and this is you just can't probably believe this. I can't either. But this boat has actually been out on Lake Huron. My grandpa was the kind of guy that I just. I mean, there's those people in your life that you just you just love, right? You just you can't believe how wonderful they are. I respected my grandpa so much. He was an amazing man. He could fix anything. Everyone loved my grandpa. He knew everybody everywhere you went. I mean, my grandpa day was awesome. And there was, wasn't much that he couldn't do. And because he lived in Michigan, he lived right on Lake Huron, my grandpa was a fisherman. And not only was he a fisherman, he was a great fisherman, and he was a great sailor. And he was so great, in fact, that he could take a boat like this and he could float this on Lake Huron. Now, I'll be honest with you, if you've never been before on a, a great lake, you don't want to be in a boat like this on Lake Huron unless you have some skills as a sailor. And my grandpa has what had those kind of skills. I remember many times being in his boat. Now, he had a boat when I was a kid that was just a little bit bigger than this. Not much bigger, a little bit bigger. And he had downriggers that come out the back, and he had all kinds of cool stuff on it. And I remember going out with my grandpa out on Lake Huron and watching him dodge the waves. Now, normally that would happen. You would think, my goodness, Grandpa, you know, Bob, Day, what are you thinking? You are on Lake Huron and waves in a little tiny boat. But not my grandpa. My grandpa could get around and my grandpa could navigate those waves and those waters with ease and with expertise. He had years of experience, to be honest with you. And it worked for him until one day. One day was a fateful day. It was a day that started out beautiful. It was a day like this day, to be honest with you. It was a beautiful day. Uh, they had read the, the, the weather report, and this is, of course, before Internet. And so they had the weather report out there. And even if there was Internet, you wouldn't have read it anyway. But, but that's beside the point. But, but the weather report said it was going to be a beautiful, clear, perfect day, no storms. So my grandpa Day and my uncle, my great uncle Dick, went out on the lake that day to fish. And they went out with full intention that it was going to be a wonderful day of fishing. And it started out that way. They caught fish and they had gone about five miles, yes I said miles, out into the lake, out by these, these certain islands, which was a great spot to fish. And they found themselves there enjoying this beautiful day on their retirements. And then all of a sudden, my grandpa looks south and sees a small rain cloud the size of your fist. And it's black. And he says, oh, no, we've got a problem. He says, Dick, get your get the stuff, reel it all in. we got to get out of here. And so they quickly, they quickly got all the stuff into the boat. And they got their things together. And, and they did everything. And they got out of there as fast as they could. 
The problem is, is that you think the weather is crazy here. Michigan is the same way. You don't like the weather here. Wait five minutes, it'll change. Same thing there. But when you're on Lake Huron, you don't like the weather. Wait one minute, it'll change. Because things can change in a heartbeat. I have been out on Lake Huron before in large vessels where all of a sudden the waves start whipping over the side of the boat. It is a scary experience. My grandpa's in his little 14-foot boat, and that's what's happening to them. They, they are trying to get back from these islands back to the mainlands five miles away, and they're partway back there, and all of a sudden, the storm gets so bad and so terrible that they don't think they're going to make it. And the story goes that in the front of the boat sits Uncle Dick, and Uncle Dick's got a, got a, got a bucket, and he's trying to, to get the water out of the boat as fast as he could, and my grandpa's in the back of the boat trying to navigate and steer around waves that literally are whipping over the side of their boat, and they're, they're coming in and coming in and coming in. And at one point, Dick says, Bob, it's not going to work. We're dead. This is going to be it. Why even keep trying? And this is why I love my grandpa. He said, but Dick, be quiet. He said, we are going to be just fine. Just keep paddling. Just keep bucketing. Just keep going. And so he just continues to go. But my grandpa says at one point he realized that he was not going to make it back to the shore. And I don't know how it came, but, but somehow the Coast Guard find out about this situation and was in contact with my grandma back on the mainland. And, and my grandma, they're telling her, they're saying, they're saying, Betty, it's just too dangerous out there. We can't send a, a U.S. Coast Guard skiff out there, a cutter. It would just be too dangerous. If your husband and your brother-in-law are going to make it, they're going to have to do it on their own. Honest to goodness. And so these, that, this is it. Now, this is a side note, but my grandma, who is a woman of prayer, you want to know why I'm here today, it's because of two praying ladies, my mom and my grandma, who had prayed and knew how to pray, and she is back, she is pacing the floor, and she is interceding for her husband and her brother-in-law, and she's back there, it's awesome, that's beside the point, but whatever, and, and so we continue on this story, and, and, and grandpa notices that there is a buoy just down the way. And so he says, hey, I, I, we can get to this buoy over here, Bob, or Dick. And so, so they, they start to turn course and, and head over towards this, this buoy. And sure enough, they get to this buoy. It is still a long ways out. And the water is whipping and whipping. And this buoy, which is tied down to, to the bottom of the, of the floor of the, the lake, which, you know, we think of buoys in Minnesota as those little, like, swim things and lakes. These buoys are giant things. They're huge. They're the size of a small boat. And, and so they get themselves this buoy, and they put themselves on there and they strap themselves onto the buoy and, and they find themselves they, they use their belts and they have ropes and they have chains and they strap themselves this buoy and they wait this storm out you can imagine okay I'm a, I'm a, a teenage boy who thinks my grandpa is the man. And he, as we are going out in Lake Huron after this happens one day in his larger boat, I'll get that in a minute, but as we're going out in Lake Huron, he shows us these places and tells us these stories, I think, oh my goodness, my grandpa can, he's the man, he is incredible. And so they, they tie themselves his buoys, grandpas, okay, and they are wading out this storm. And sure enough, as the storm subsides and the waves begun to begin to subside and, and go down, these two men are sitting there or standing there, really tied there still on this buoy. It's an unbelievable story. 
of what happens in this situation. Now, now there's a moral to the story. Because when he got back to the shore, he told my grandma, I am never getting in that boat again. And so he got to buy a bigger boat. And so if you want a bigger boat, guys, that's all you got to do is go through, a, go through a storm like that. That's, that's it. That's all you got to do. But, but no, the truth this morning is this. Is there is a moral to the story because what happened there is that, that day is they never expected to be in that situation. Never. Because obviously if they would have thought that, they would have never gotten into that boat. And frankly, too, they had no business being in a small boat like that, five miles out on Lake Huron, where waves can get to be this high. They had no business doing that. Even though my grandpa all of his life had done it, that still was not the best thing to be doing. Again, I've been in much larger boats on this same lake and have found waves whipping over the sides of this boat. I can't imagine. They were ill-prepared and they were unequipped to face this kind of a storm. But yet, they remained unshipwrecked. See, this morning, don't we oftentimes feel the same way when we're in the face of a storm? Right? We say, man, how, how did I get here this morning? How did this happen? How did I find myself standing in this boat? Not, fit, not literally, but physically. How did I find myself standing in this boat? I am shipwrecked. I am I'm in trouble here. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's taking place. And I'm not equipped to deal with this problem. How often do we feel like that, right? If I only had this, if I only had that, if I only had a bigger boat, if I only had better equipment, if I only had this, then I probably wouldn't have to walk and wade the storm like I'm waiting for the storm at this point, at this moment. See, in the Old Testament, this scripture here talks about this. In Old Testament, James opens this whole idea up with the word wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. Wisdom. See, he opens up this idea of wisdom. It's really important. As you, as you do a little study on the word wisdom in the Old Testament, which is what James would have been thinking and, and, and operating under, we, we come to a place where we understand that God views wisdom differently than we oftentimes view wisdom. You do a word study, go back in here. When God talks wisdom, God's talking about knowledge matched with skill. And this is explained here. Exodus, God calls workers who have been given wisdom and skill to make garments for the priests and to build the, the temple. Isaiah chapter 10, God calls for a, a wise and skillful battle plan for Israel to overcome their enemies. In Deuteronomy 34, God calls them wise and skillful government leaders. Psalm 37, 30, God speaks to the idea of skillful wisdom in words. Psalm chapter 90 speaks to the time of, or the idea of, of using time well as a wise skill to be, to be had. You see, often we think of wisdom in terms of knowledge, don't we? So when we read this passage, when we read this, this passage here, when it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who gives abundantly, we oftentimes in our mind think in the terms of, God, I need to know what to do here. God, I need to know what's going to happen. I need to know where I'm supposed to go. I need to know this. I need to know that. That's oftentimes how we think of this. 
And if we do not have that knowledge, if we do not have that understanding, we oftentimes say, God, I'm ill-equipped to walk through this struggling moment like this. And then we say, God, why did you put me here in this spot? Lord, why is my life in, in ruins? Why am I finding myself almost shipwrecked? Don't you care? Don't you hear me when I talk? Don't you listen to me when I talk to you? Lord, God, why does that happen in that case? See, this passage right here so clearly helps us to have understanding behind why those things happening. Trust me. It is not because God doesn't listen. It's not because God doesn't care. It's not because this passage is untrue. God absolutely gives knowledge and gives wisdom to those who ask. And he gives it in abundance, as it says, and he gives it without reproach, which means that he gives it joyfully and gleefully when we ask him to do these things. But again, how often do we come to this moment and say, God, I just don't know if that's true. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we need knowledge. Knowledge is, is really, really important. It, it, it's very important. I wouldn't get with me in this boat on Lake Huron. And the reason is not because I'm not tenacious, because I am. But the reason is because I don't have knowledge in how to navigate around those big, those, those, those big waves. We need knowledge. But so often, when we are faced with life's storms, knowledge is not our main concern and not what our main need is. And oftentimes, thinking like that is what starts the shipwreck to happen in the very first place. You see, the enemy, the Bible says, even the enemy knows the word of God. Do you realize that? That the enemy knows the Bible. He knows the word of God probably better than any of us do. And truthfully this morning, that there is a lot of people who are sitting in jail today who knew they shouldn't do whatever they did, right? Can you imagine talking to a, a, a thief and saying, you know, you robbed this bank? Did you know that was bad? No, I had no idea. I thought robbing was what you're supposed to do. You see, I mean, most of us have a lot of knowledge that we just frankly never use, Right? A lot of people have very good knowledge. And so oftentimes we think that our way out of the storm is by more knowledge or by more of this. But what happens so often is we find ourselves back where it's all about me and all about my situation, where I am today. We find that there is a problem there. See, lots of people have a lot of godly knowledge that they never, ever use. Here's what we can know about navigating storms, stinks, and James 1. This is, what, this is what it is. Knowledge without action can kill, but knowledge with action makes wisdom and skill. Now, if I was a rapper today, I'd be rapping that, but I'm not going to be because I'm not a rapper. But, but if I was, I would do that because I, I want you to remember that simple saying this morning. And you might be Look at it and say, well, I'm not sure what that fully means this morning because, again, I think knowledge is pretty, pretty important. And how in the world can knowledge kill? Well, here today, we're going to kind of walk through this a little bit because storms will come. And I'll be honest with you. If you think that a point will come in your life when storms won't be there, you're fooling yourself because they're going to, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Or it doesn't matter what stage in life you are. You will face storms. But thankfully, from last week, we talked about how those storms be things we can count joy and we can thank God for because of what they produce in our lives. And so James, with that understanding and that heart, says you can ask God for knowledge and for wisdom. 
But see, the wrong way, we oftentimes, the, the wrong way to face storms is what causes us to find ourselves in a shipwreck. And, and these are just some things that I've kind of come up with that I found easy in my life to face storms with in the wrong way. And the first one is we face knowledge with feelings. Years back, I had um, been counseled with a young lady who uh, was dating this guy. She had been, he was not a believer, and she was. And so they were serious, and he had proposed to her, and so her dad was not happy, and so she was coming to me for some advice. And really what she wanted, she wanted a pastor to uh, validate her dumb decision, but whatever, that's beside the point. And, and so she's asked me what I think about this, and so I said, well, sweetie, it, it, I don't, you know, I have to tell you what I think. The, the Bible's clear on what you should do in this situation. And I started telling the scripture, you know, that you should not be unequally yoked. And she stops me. She says, oh, hold on. I, I already know that about verse. My dad told me that. She said, but you know what? She's like, I don't agree with it. And she gave me this whole, like, artful way of explaining why she should marry this guy. And then comes the clicker. She said, I prayed about it, and I have peace about marrying this guy. And I stopped, and I said, sweetie, you might have peace. That might happen, but that peace didn't come from God. And the reason why I know that, because when God speaks, when God works, it will not go against what his scriptures tell us. But so often, we come to life's problems with our feelings and not with the truth, right? And again, you might say, absolutely, but we all do this sometimes, don't we? I can't tell you how many times that God has called me to something that I know I should be doing, and then I go back to my thinking, and I say, well, I shouldn't do that because of this and that, when it is absolutely what God's Word says. And you can say, well, I have peace about it, or I don't have peace about it, but when you face these things without the Word of God and without submission to the Word of God, you are facing stuff, and you are waiting for a storm to happen. Because this young lady's life, and I've lost contact with her and such, but I don't know the full story, but I know enough of stories like hers to know that she is in for a battle, and she is in for a shipwreck at some point. At some point, something's going to happen that's going to rock her world. That she would never have to be there if she would let God's word rule and not the other way around. But I'm going to continue on here. We face knowledge with feelings. Number two, we sometimes place knowledge with misplaced hunger. Now, I talked about this last week, and I had to deal with this again this week because it's so, it's so good when it comes to this whole concept that we match our knowledge with misplaced hunger. There have been a lot of times in my life when I've wanted to go on a diet. Okay, I've come to realize many times that, that I probably should eat better. And it's funny because I will go on these spurts where I do great, right? You, you, am, I, am I with us here this morning? I know that you understand because you've been there. So you go and you do pretty well for a while. And I've got, you know, carrots and apples and eating good things, eating good snacks. And then all of a sudden, I find myself at a moment of temptation. And it's like golden arches, you know, about like this, or it's a little red kind of like, you know, half circle thing that has DQ in the middle. And so what happens when those things happen is that I fall to that when my hunger is misplaced. When I'm full of good things, 
When I've got good food in my belly, I can't eat that stuff. I don't want that stuff. But there are so many times when I get busy or I get, I just, I'm doing this and doing that and I lose track of eating well. And so I find myself putting myself in a place that I should not be in the first place. Where I am hungry for something that I should not be hungry for. It's easy for us to walk away from temptation when our stomach is full. And that that plays so clearly in our spiritual lives as well, doesn't it? A, a, A hungry need is a dangerous need so often. And how many times has God called us to things? And our response to that has been, God, great, I love it, I'll do it, as long as you deal with me by next Thursday, Right? See, that's why James is so good, because James talks to us about the idea of slowing down and allowing God to minister and allowing God to work and being in, through, and, and on and, and, and be committed to this thing through it for the long haul. That faith is not a flash in the pan, and there are times when it might take a while. There's a, there's a promise in Scripture that I just love. It's Matthew 5, 6, and you know the Scripture. It says, blessed, everyone say Blessed. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now let me tell you how sometimes we respond to that scripture. Because if you've been around this thing very long, you know that that takes time, doesn't it? That, that sense of fulfillment that God gives, it doesn't happen in, in McDonald's minutes. It doesn't happen in a Burger King moment. It takes time. It takes moments. But there is a promise here from Scripture that says you are blessed when this becomes how you think. And we so oftentimes back that thing up and say, well, yeah, that says that. But God, I, you know, I got this going on and this going on and stuff. We fill our lives with spiritual fast food when God has called us to stop and to wait and listen to his presence. And he's given us a promise that you will find blessing when that becomes how you live your life. You see, when we, are, when we have knowledge matched with misplaced hunger, we are in for a difficult situation. There's so many times when my wife, she's an awesome cook, by the way. She's amazing. And so when she cooks, I'd way rather eat what she makes than anything else. But there are times when it takes time to eat what, her, what she's making. It takes, it takes time to, to wait on whatever it is that she is making. It would sometimes be easier and sometimes be quicker and sometimes be, be seen better in the moment. to just run through a fast food restaurant and, and such. But then I would get home and I would walk in the door and smell those smells. And she'd say, you did. What? You stopped it. I'm making all this food. And I said, well, I couldn't wait anymore. I just couldn't wait. I was just so hungry. So I just got whatever I could get. So she spent all that, t- all that time and all that day preparing this meal. The word says in Psalms that he has prepared a table in the wilderness for us. And it's filled with a bounty of blessing and a bounty of goodness. And and there's, there's so many things there. But I will tell you, church, this morning, it will take time. It'll take time to stop. It'll take time to, to turn off the TV and turn off the, 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 the get rich quick and all whatever else you want to put on. Or take time to turn everything else off and just stop and just to listen and let him speak in our lives. I will tell you this morning, if you'll learn to do that, and I, I won't tell you that's easy because it's not. 
I won't tell you that that's just how it, everybody is because it's, it's not. Our society is moving faster and farther away from that kind of thinking. And that's why we have the world that we do. This is countercultural. It's different. But church, God's call us not to face storms with shipwrecks, but to face storms with him, with him at the helm and him in the boat. You can. There's a promise right here or there, but it will take time this morning. Next thing here today is we face knowledge with no discipline. And I've gone too far in the last one, so i got to go quickly through this one. But, but so often, again, we face knowledge with no discipline. Back to my idea of how of eating and such, I've discovered something in, in life that, that if I want to do the right thing, oftentimes I know the right thing, but what stops me from the right thing and doing it is discipline to walk through that thing. Amen? Right? How many times have we said, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just can't help myself? Right? As we're driving by drive Dairy Queen, I know I shouldn't pull in, but man, does it look good. I just can't help myself. Right? How often is, is sin birthed in that kind of a moment where I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just can't help myself? You see, knowledge is not it. Knowledge is not enough. There has to be something paired with knowledge for us to walk away and gain freedom from these things. Now, I've got good news for you when it comes to, to, to discipline, though. Discipline is also known as self-control. And the Bible in Galatians talks about how self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You don't will yourself into self-control. You just don't. You can't do that. You can't will yourself and like, I'm going to get more self-control. I'm going to sit here and try because you probably won't. But there are blessings untold. When we, when we dig our lives in deep, when we put our, our plant, our tree of our life down by fertile soil and allow the word of God to wash over us and the spirit to speak to us, we live our lives like that and plant things deep, God begins to grow fruit in our lives. And one of those fruits is self-control. I've found in my life how I need self-control, and I have grown in that only in those moments when I've allowed God to grow that self-control in me this morning. And so, so many shipwrecks could be avoided if we got a grip on those, right? Let's be honest with this morning. This, this list here is probably not finished, but this list is, is pretty big. And, and so, so in a moment here this morning, I, I want to talk just for a minute about some helpful things that the Scripture gives us to not have a shipwreck. Because rather than focusing on just theoretical knowledge, godly wisdom focuses on acting in obedience to God's revealed will. Right? It focuses on acting in obedience. Verse 12 of this passage, it says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, and deceive yourself. You see, this morning, there is a lot of doing the word involved with the understanding of the words. Amen? Now, we can know a lot about God's word, but until we are ready to do what he said, that's when things start changing. That's when things start to come clear in our lives. So this passage here gives us some helpful tips of how to avoid a shipwreck. And it starts right here. Number one, it says ask. Everyone say ask. Ask. This is such a critical piece. 
Because if you're a person like me who thinks they know everything about everything there is in the world, my, the day that I knew the most about the world was my 18th birthday. Every day since then has been a slowly and sometimes faster downward uh, spiral because I've learned something. I don't know everything about everything. And I've also learned that what so often holds us back from understanding and from getting away from garbage is having a teachable spirit. Saying, man, I want to learn and and I I, want to grow. This word ask in the the scripture here is is a word for, the Greek word for asking in present tense. Which means you didn't have to ask once. You continuously ask over and over and over and over again. Proverbs 13 tells us, just poverty and grace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. I will tell you this morning, church, one of the easiest ways to a shipwreck is to think you know everything. One of the easiest ways to a shipwreck and find yourself on ways that you are not prepared to deal with and you are not a spot where you know what to do is to say, I don't need any help. I don't need anyone to teach me anything. Man, if you will learn how to be teachable, that's first. Number two is ask God. The Bible never tells us to pray to the Virgin Mary. It tells us to pray to the saints. It doesn't tell us to pray to anyone else outside of God. The Bible is clear that we are not to consult stars and things in the heavens. We're not to consult, you know, those kind of things for guidance. Those things are foolish. Now, it may seem to work for a moment, but it's not going to work long term because there is one spot that wisdom is found, and that is in the Word of God, and that is in His revealed Word, and in the Word of God as He speaks to us, and He brings that to light in our lives. Ask God. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. And I will tell you this morning, church, that we have the chance to do this with the Lord who is close to us. Ephesians 3.12 says, In Christ we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. And as the band comes forward this morning, the last one today is to ask God in faith. And that might be the hardest one of all. See, a lot of us probably know pretty well that we're supposed to ask, right? A lot of us know pretty well we're supposed to ask God. But the word this morning given earlier was so clear in this, that this is God working in someone's life this morning, that asking God in faith is as absolutely critical for us to understand this, what this passage is trying to get us to understand here this morning. Asking God in faith. I need you to pay attention as close as possible this morning. Because this is what God wants to speak. If you miss this this morning, you're going to miss the entire thing. Because this passage right here gives us some incredible understanding on what causes us to struggle so often. Because some of us ask God things, right? We say, God, I need this. But we ask for those things in the wrong way. We say, God, I need this, but I've messed up so much, I don't think you can help me. Or we say, God, I, I, I need you to help me in this, but my life is so awful, there's just no way I'm, I'm going to ever get out of this thing. Or we say, God, I need your help, but what I look what I've done. I've messed things up so bad, I don't think even you can help me out in this situation. God, I, I need this, but I don't even know if you're listening to me. I don't even know if you care. I don't, I don't know who you are. I don't care. I don't know. And so we ask God, we ask God in the wrong way. 
See, some ask God with a note of doubt. I'll, I'll ask him, but this probably won't even work. How many times have I found myself shipwrecked and found myself on these waters, and I believe, and I trust God, but yet I don't know if it's working or not, and so we ask God, but we ask God without faith. We ask God in a way that the Bible here is quite clear on. And it becomes kind of a perpetual rolling thing. It's like we're in a, in a washer, a washing machine. Because we ask God, but then because we don't get what we want, we say, well, I don't know if God's real. And so we go around and around and around and around and around and around and around. And our faith becomes very hollow. It becomes very small. It becomes very, very problem-filled. And our life looks like one shipwreck from another. And then we say, God, I don't know if you're even really even there or you're real or anything like that. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. The Bible here says in James 1.6, it says, If you ask like this, it, it gives a, a, paints a picture of what your, what, what, what your, what your life is like. And you're going to know what this is because you're going to feel this way. It says you're like this, this, the surf of the sea. You are tossed about by the winds. You are, are in a consistent and continual shipwreck kind of life. Compares to the surf. and Think about what the surf does. You see, the surf has no inner power or no principle to direct itself, Right? The surf just kind of goes wherever it's told to go. It's just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm happy today because I feel good, and today I'm mad because I don't feel good. Or just, we're in and out, up and down, left and right, and I don't know who I am, where I'm going, or what's going on. We're tossed about. It's unstable. It's, it's chaotic. It's totally at the will of something else. Listen to me this morning, church. Some of you, you, are, you believe in God, but your life is not controlled by God because of the words you've spoken. You've spoken words that, that, have, that have caused God, you, that, that, have, that have basically been, you, you, you've answered your own prayer. You said, God, I believe in you, but I don't think you can help me out. This is how God works in prayer. Your words are powerful. So what you say, you become. And here's the problem with that, is you think you're acting right. You think you've got it together. You feel good about it. So you feel like, i got peace about acting like this. But you're not being led by the Word and the Spirit. You're being led by yourself and your feelings, and you're missing it, and you think you got it, but your whole life is a shipwreck. And I want to tell you today to get off that boat and change boats and go to a different boats. Amen? It literally is that big. It literally is that important. See, this passage here, this, this says that the surf can be a destructive force as it batters other boats. Some of you grew up in a home or a life. You grew up in, with family members or friends or whatever else. Some of you walked like this who, were, who lived like this. They, are, they were destructive forces in your life. And now you find yourself as a destructive force. It's time to break the cycle, church. See, it says that in verse 8 that this person is unstable. If you find yourself like that, you've got to be honest this morning. Be honest about this. Why don't you, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes? 
Because if I'm talking to you this morning, the enemy would like you to do nothing but discredit what I'm saying. And you can discredit what I say, trust me, I'm not that great. But what you can't do is you can't discredit what the word says. The word is clear. The word is good. The word is God's promise. So this is what he promises you if you live like that. It's, I'll be honest with you, it's not great. He says, you can expect to receive nothing from God. Like, that's pretty harsh. Why would a loving God do that? Well, that's a loving God who has put the power of, our, the power of faith and the power of the future in the mouth and the tongue of, of, of his people. Now, I don't know about you, I'm thankful that God has done that. But this promise right here tells us you can ask, and, but you've already answered your own prayer with no. And I'll tell you, you can expect instability in your life. And that's going to bring about shipwrecks. But I don't have to tell you that because you know that already. You felt that. You understand that. And again, heads bowed, eyes closed this morning because you might be here today and have a whole lot of things together. But there's a shipwreck in your life, and you know what I'm talking about. There's one thing or two things, or maybe your entire life is a shipwreck. And you're like, man, my whole life is like this. I'm unstable. Everything's unstable around me. It's all like this. I want to tell you today, it does not have to be like that. And you might have grown up like that, and you've never known any other way. Still, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be like that. Maybe your home life is a, is a, is a, it's been ransacked by the enemy. And you say, God, I don't know if you can work. I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be like that. This morning you might say, Pastor Steve, I, I am a ship without a rudder. I am, I am being tossed and turned and, uh, about. It's just, my life is just in ruins or, or this one part of my life is in ruins. I'm talking to someone today that has a secret sin that nobody else knows about. Not your wife, not your friends, not your mom, not your dad. No one knows, but you do and God does. And you have wrestled with God over this for years. And you've understood and seen that this thing could get out of control. And this thing, if left unmitigated in your life, is going to cause a shipwreck of massive proportions. And you don't know what to do with it. You've tried everything. You've tried books. You've tried, you've tried everything. And yet, nothing has worked yet. You've even, even asked God. Get off the, get off of the boat. You need to change boats. And, and this is what, what James will, will challenge you with. This is what the word will challenge you with. As verse 22 shows us, one more cute little phrase, and then we're going to pray together. It says, if, if you are on his crew, if you've changed ships and you're now on his crew, expect to do. Why don't you stand across this room this morning? If you are on his crew, you can expect to do. Because here's the deal. Heads by, again, heads by eyes closed. Please listen this morning. Because you might pray and say, God, I need wisdom in this area. I need to understand something in this area. This is why this passage is where it is in James right here and, and being sandwiched between the idea of, 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 of faith without works is dead and all this. This is why this passage is in here. 
Because to this point in your life, you've asked God things, and you have, and he's told you something or some series of things, and you have had a reason after reason to say, I don't think that's how it works. If you are on his crew, expect to do. Faith will look like something. If you have unforgiveness in your life, you can expect to have to come to grips with forgiveness. If there is an addiction in your life, you can, you can expect to come to grips with having to walk away from that addiction, doing things to walk away from that addiction. If you have anger in your life, you can expect to have to say, I'm sorry, an awful lot. If you have bitterness, you can expect to have to start to turn away from the bitterness and turn to sweetness. If you have unforgiveness, if you have bitterness, you can expect someone to say, hey, you're bitter, turn that around. If you have these things in your life, if you're on his crew, you can expect to do something. He's given you his word to know it. He will call you to obedience. And you will obey, need to obey that. And I'll tell you today, church, it's worth it. It's worth it all because this scripture here tells us that that person who walks like this is blessed. Jesus, speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray that there be hope placed on lives where hope was not before. I pray, Jesus, that for those that might have been, Lord, shipwrecked over and over and over again, that, Lord, Jesus, today you give them some hope that it doesn't have to be that way. But, Lord, there will be things for them to do. I pray you would speak, that you would work, that you would bring, Lord, a note of encouragement to them, that they don't face this battle alone. They don't stand in this shipwrecked boat by themselves. They have you. And, Lord, if they're all by themselves, Lord, teach them how to get out of that boat and go on to your boat. Jesus, minister this morning in us, Lord. God, you've called this church and this people in this place to not be, have lives of shipwrecked lives, but, Lord, to have lives, Lord, of blessing, as it says right here. In Jesus' name, I pray this. And everyone says, amen and amen. I'm going to have the prayer team come forward this morning, and we're going we're to worship God today for a few moments. But this is what I want us to do in this, this place this morning is I want us to take some time and I want us to allow God to speak into our lives. Because there are those here today who I'm talking to you. Your life has this going on in your life and you're not sure what to do right now. Well, this word here tells us what to do. Go to him. Amen? And I will tell you this as well, that when you do that, you might not know where to go. Take that first step. He has a way of taking step after step after step after step and leading us past these things. And then someday you'll say, oh, God has worked in my life. Let's worship him this morning. Allow him today to speak into our lives. Amen.